Hello and welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast series. This series has been developed to assist you to master your health and well-being. Health is too hard when you try to go it alone, and we know that together we are healthier. Today on the show, we'll be discussing tips for feeding the family with Dr. Joanna McMillan. Joanna is a PhD qualified nutrition scientist and accredited practicing dietitian. She's one of Australia's favorite and most trusted health and well-being experts. A regular on television, she most recently hosted the ABC series Gut Revolution and Beating Diabetes. She is also a regular commentator on Channel 9's Today Show, Channel 7 and 9 News and Studio 10 and across a variety of radio networks, online and print publications. This interview took place over the phone with Joanna, so the sound quality may be a little different to previous podcasts but enables us to bring you some amazing guest speakers. Dr. Joanna McMillan, welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, first, let's get the basics right. What are the foundations of a healthy diet? So there is no one healthy diet. You know, people always ask me whether they should eat more fat, less fat, more carbs, less fat. It's not actually about that nutrient balance. It is about the types of foods and the dietary pattern that you're following. So what I like to talk about is is just to cut through the confusion is that there is a foundation of what establishes a healthy diet. And essentially, that means real whole foods with lots of plant foods, whether or not you also choose to include animal foods and then from that foundation you can then build the type of diet that fits with your culture with your lifestyle with um, the way that you like to eat with your religious or any moral implications on the types of foods that you choose and you can build from there so you can be a vegan or a carnivore or anywhere in between and still have a healthy diet provided you've limited or cut out completely the modern ultra-processed foods we know are associated with poor health and that you're basing your diet on real whole foods. That's essentially the basis of it. What are the main things we should take into consideration when putting this uh, meal for our family together? Well, I think the main thing is to think about we do need to eat more plant, whole plant foods. So Australians in particular are very low on their veggie intake. We're still not eating enough fresh fruit. We certainly don't eat enough of things like nuts and seeds and legumes and whole grains. We're tending to go for the highly refined grains instead, and those are problematic. So it's really thinking about how can I get more of these core foods into my diet? So when I'm teaching families or teaching anyone just about how to put together a healthy meal, and this also applies if you're making a meal at home, but also if you're in a restaurant or a cafe and ordering um, a meal, is to think about making at least half of the plate your veggies. For younger children, that would be about a third of the plate. They need to have a more energy-dense diet to fill up their little tummies. But certainly by the time they're teenagers, half the plate ought to be veggies. About a quarter of that plate is something that's giving you protein. So it might be an animal food like meat or fish, but it also might be eggs or a dairy food or a vegetarian source like beans and chickpeas or, or tofu. And then the rest of the plate, you've got a little slither for some healthy fat. Usually an extra virgin olive oil is perfect. It might be avocado or some nuts and seeds. And then you've got your, what I like to call a smart carb. And that's your whole grains, your legumes or a starchy veggie in, in its skin. So you've got in the whole food form again. And if you kind of use that rough balance and you're making sure actually most of that plate is plant food you may choose to have your animal food in there too as your protein but that gives us that really nice balance and if that's happening at most of your meals you know what you're 80 percent there to having a really healthy diet now when we talk about kids are there any specific nutrients for growth and development we should be making sure our kids get in their diet 
Yeah, so, I mean, essentially, all vitamins and minerals and, and of course, protein is required for, for growth. The carbohydrates and fats are used mostly for energy, and fat also delivers a whole load of fat-soluble nutrients. So the, the bottom line is that kids need a broad variety of different foods to give them their best best nutrition. But there are some key things that we know Aussie kids are going short on. Things like iodine. We used to eat a lot more food out of the sea, and, and that is our major source of iodine. And iodine is quite low in in crops that are grown on land. So iodine is low in the soil. And iodine is very important for brain development um, and for the, the development of the nervous system. So iodine is a nutrient we need to pay attention to. So I really support getting more seafood and things like seaweed into kids' diets um, is really good for iodine. And if not, we need to supplement. They also need things like omega-3 fats, the long chain ones. Again, these come from seafood um, and they're important for the development of the brain. We can convert some of those plant omega-3 into the long chain ones the brain needs, but we've got a limited capacity to do so. So again, that's something I would look to supplement if kids are not eating enough seafood. And then we've got basic things like, of course, protein. Now that's becoming a concern because we do have this growth in people wanting to be vegan or, or at least including more vegan meals. So I urge you that if you're going to do that, particularly with children, that you engage the help of a dietitian to ensure that your kids are getting the broad range of amino acids that are the building blocks of protein needed for their growth and development. But then other than that, we've got to pay attention to kids um, for all sorts of, of different nutrients, you know, calcium for their bone growth, iron and zinc for, for healthy blood and for making sure they've got the energy to, to work their way through their sporting life and their school life. All of these things are really, really important. So just encouraging healthy eating is, is crucial for kids. And then, of course, we've got the issue with some kids being underweight, but a huge number of kids being overweight. And so giving them the healthy skills they need to be healthy really sort of sets them up for a lifetime. You know, if kids are already unhealthy, not getting the nutrients they need and not accustomed to following a healthy diet, as children, really that sets a, a bad pattern and, and a lot of those kids are going to go on to have unhealthy diets for life. So it's really, really important that we establish healthy family eating right from the get-go. Do you have any tips on how I can get my kids to eat their veggies? I hide them in bolognese sauce. Yes, and I'm not against that. You know, I, I think I talk about plant-boosting meals all of the time. And and rather than thinking about hiding the veg, uh, you know, although that certainly is sometimes true, I don't mind hiding the veg in a healthy meal like a bolognese. I'm not so into let's hide the veg in a chocolate muffin. That kind of really defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> but, but I certainly think it's a good idea to make veggies an integral part of the meal. You know, we've got to move away from veggies being these kind of overcooked, not tasty um uh, things on the side of the plate that then the kids are forced to eat. That doesn't encourage anyone to eat them. So I say, you know, make veggies tasty. And I give a whole load of tips in the new book as to as to how to get kids more interested in healthy food and how to get them to enjoy their veggies. So absolutely grate them and finely chop them up and add them to pasta sauces and your bolognese and your casseroles and curries and so on. But also make veggies tasty. So when you put veggies on the side of the plate, and actually this is a really nice little experiment to do, try giving the family raw or lightly cooked broccoli taste what the broccoli tastes like and then try drizzling it with some extra virgin olive oil perhaps a little pinch of salt or some pepper some chili flakes or whatever giving it some flavor on there but the oil is absolutely crucial then try tasting that food again and it's a totally different experience so i think it's absolutely key not to make a big fuss over veggies make them a really tasty part by using interesting dressings and lovely um sauces and so on 
and just something simple like Aussie extra virgin olive oil, you can really transform veggies into a delicious part of the meal um, instead of it being, you know, something to be sold on the side. How do we go about planning a week of balanced meals for the family with everything that we've got going on? Well, uh, look, absolutely. And I really sympathize with, with families saying to me, oh, God, but I'm just so confused. And how do I even get it right? The last thing I want is for healthy eating to become something that is just another stress and another chore for families to deal with. So really what I've worked hard at with this book is to, to try and take some of that complication away and give you loads of tips and ideas as to how to put it together. So the first thing is not to panic. If you've got those core principles and you understand what those core principles are about the way to eat, then it, but the whole thing becomes a lot easier so you know my kids do get dessert they do get to have an ice cream treat you know they do get to have a piece of chocolate it's not about being perfect all of the time but it's about really fostering and I've got a whole section in the book on building a healthy relationship with food and with with your bodies and that's so important that we we foster and nurture that in our kids coming through so remember overall I mean the title of the book is the feel-good family food plan and that feel-good is really important because I want to bring the joy back to family eating the joy back to dinner time in particular I don't know about you but I've got teenagers that is the only time they talk to me is when we're across the family table so it's a really great time to kind of be able to connect with with your kids again so that's the first thing is is not to panic don't allow this to become a stress what I loosely think of is I try to have fish a couple of times a week I try to make sure we've at least got two or three meals that I've thrown some legumes in there I certainly make sure veggies are there's always a salad on the table or there's veggies as part of of the evening meal especially but I try to sneak that into other meals too and really just kind of think ahead and some people are real planners you know they love to have their absolute menu and their shopping list for the week and everything is sort of laid out to a tee other people and I put myself in this camp have much more of a rough plan where I might buy some chicken and I buy some pork and I think I'm going to have a veggie meal one night and so I've got my rough but I don't quite know what I'm going to do with that chicken yet so I'm someone that tends to open the fridge and go right what will I do with that chicken what have I got so depending where you are on that spectrum it is a good idea to have a rough plan of what's going to be for dinner on these nights make sure that you've got your kitchen stocked with the right stuff so if you've always got plenty of veggies and plenty of fresh um, whole foods there in your kitchen and then you've got the skills and that's where the recipes come in that I've given you loads and loads and loads of recipe ideas for how to do quick easy midnight meals how to do some really fun meals how to do family meals you'll even find things like you know my my co-author on this book my friend Mel calls it footy food where she's done buffalo wings with with a blue ranch dressing so even some stuff for the weekend when you're all sitting watching some sport so that I hope is going to take some of the stress away just a little bit of forward planning making sure your kitchen is stocked can really help you then to set into play um, and and it becomes second nature so I want healthy eating to be something that your family just does it's not something you have to consciously always be thinking about doing because it just becomes the way that your family eat what are some other of your favorite go-to meals from this book and and possibly uh, your plant-rich meals as well yeah, well, plant-rich meals are, and I prefer to use that term plant-rich. A lot of people are talking about plant-based, but that can imply that it has to be 100% plants. Now, 
putting aside the ethics and there's no arguing over the more the morality involved in whether or not we eat animal foods but if i purely have my nutrition science hat on you know there's no doubt that including some animal foods makes it easier for you to to meet the nutritional needs of your family but so what i prefer is to talk about plant rich so even you know if we were all just to reduce the portion size so rather than the the meat or the steak being the hero on the plate you're thought, thinking more about making the those veggies and other plant foods integral parts of that meal so that you know they take a more dominant role so if we all just reduced our portion of the meat and we ate more plant foods that would be hugely beneficial both to our health and to the health of the of the planet so that's what i'm encouraging with the term plant rich so making great salads you'll find a whole bunch of different um, salads and how you turn a salad into an amazing and a delicious part of the meal is the dressing so you'll find a double page spread with lots of different types of salad dressings mostly based on on australian extra virgin olive oil which is such a, a really good it's a true superfood in my eyes um, and then we've got a, a whole load of different ways to incorporate cooked veggies so it's a good idea to eat it's another question i often get are you better to have raw or cooked veggies well the answer is both some nutrients are better absorbed um, when the veggie is cooked. Other veggies are, are are better, and certainly things like vitamin C are better preserved when the when the, the the food is raw. So having a combination, so you'll find lots of veggie recipes. There's actually a section on vegetarian. So it's a nice idea for families to think perhaps one night of the week you have a vegetarian meal, um, and then you plant boost all of your your other meals. So there's plenty of great ideas there, including the basic stuff like you mentioned, Simon, with with adding veggies into some something like a bolognese. Um, I actually posted on my Instagram last night, um, I was hearing with our sort of increasing self-isolation with, with this virus going around that people were telling me they could only buy two packets of mince. So, you know, plant boosting actually makes your meat go further. The post was all about how do you make that, if you can only buy one packet of mince to feed the family, how can you make that go further? And actually throwing in a can of beans, throwing in a whole bunch of veggies, serving it with either, either some brown rice or some pasta or some potatoes actually makes that meal go a whole lot further so plant boosting is a great idea for your budget it saves you money it makes the meat go further and it nutritionally seriously boosts the meal kids lunch boxes have you got some healthy quick and easy foods that we can that we can make or buy to put in those lunch boxes Absolutely. So you'll find lots of ideas for this. And one of the things that I really wanted to do, or where, where part of the idea for this book came from, was that I felt like there's a there's a lot of help for people when they first have children and when they, they're weaning kids and getting them onto solids and they've got toddlers. And then even for lunchboxes, most of the lunchboxes are kind of geared towards younger kids. So if, like me, you've got older kids who are, I have teenagers who are, you know, one of them is six foot one tall. He eats more than me. So a, a lunchbox that is appropriate for a primary age kid is no longer longer suitable for for an older child so we've tried to give lots and lots of ideas not and also not just for kids lunch boxes but for adults who want to take their lunch to to work so there's lots of meals on the go i think one of the things people do with with kids lunch boxes are that they try to either they stress themselves out with getting too complicated thinking they've got to give something fancy and different every single day and i don't think that's necessary or they make them too simple so you know a vegemite sandwich is is not enough that's not nutritious enough it's not giving the right balance of nutrients um, to a kid to help them get through the day. So what I think is is think about what's going into the lunchbox. My kids normally just get a sandwich. It's either a sandwich, a roll, or a wrap. In winter, they might get a little thermos with leftover pasta and sauce from the night before or a soup or something like that. That's a great idea for on colder days to give them something hot. But most of the time, it is a sandwich. So nothing is wrong with a sandwich. It's down to the quality of the bread and what you pop in there. So I try to think at dinner, you know, if I'm cooking chicken, I always make sure there's extra 
extra chicken or if I'm cooking meat or salmon, you can use the extra to go into the sandwich the next day and then team it up with a few veggies. Some some kids will prefer the veggies on the side. So throw in some cherry tomatoes and some little mini cucumbers and um, some carrot sticks or whatever. Put that on the side if they don't like having salad in the sandwich. So you've kind of thought about it and then ensure you've got good quality bread. Then we've also created some home-cooked snacks, so you'll get my veggie muffins that I make quite often. Um, there's a muesli bar recipe. And remember, for older kids, you can pop nuts in the nut bo- in the lunchbox. So yes, most primary schools now are nut-free, quite rightly, um, with the risk of allergies. But by the time kids are at high school, um, one, a lot of kids have outgrown their nut allergies, but also they're, they're old enough now to, to know that they have to be careful with what foods they eat. So you'll find that most high schools do allow nuts, and then these are highly nutritious foods and most of our Aussie kids are not eating nearly enough so you know when my kids have got afternoon sport and they're going to be at school until quite late I throw in an extra sandwich that's perhaps got some nut butter in there Um, or they get a smoothie that's got you know nuts in the smoothie along with you know yogurt and milk and berries and so on so you can make them a really nice um, poster pre uh, sport workout drink so there's loads of those kinds of ideas and how to expand the lunchbox to go all the way from littleies right up to to our hungry teens. And do you have any favourites for filling up, especially the growing teens, when they get home that's healthy between school and the family dinner? Yeah, well, do you know what? The first thing I'm going to say is just be careful what time they come home. And then because I know with my boys, what happens is often they're having to be at school until five o'clock. They come home, they tell me they're starving. If they have a snack then then they're not going to eat their dinner properly. I've got one who's who's a kind of slow picky, eats like a bird, and the other one who has a tendency to, to overeat if he's given the option. So, you know, base this on what your kids are like, but per- particularly for my son who's a bit of a picky eater, if I let him have a snack when he comes in, there's just no chance of getting him to eat a balanced, proper meal when it comes to dinner time. So the first thing is just to make sure kids are not going to die of, st- of starvation if they have to wait an hour or two for, for their meal. So judge it. But if they're coming home from school at half past three, four o'clock and you don't eat your family meal until seven, then absolutely it's appropriate to let them have a snack. So that's when those kinds of, you know, and there and there's nothing wrong with having some things that are bought in your pantry, like, you know, good quality muesli bars or a note bar or a nut bar or, you know, those kinds of seaweeds or, or um, all of those kind of, pa- there are some good packaged snacks that you can rely on. But once they're home, why not let them, one of my sons absolutely loves beans and cheese. So he has canned baked beans, he puts cheese in himself and he has a slice of whole grain toast with it those kind of things that particularly once they're teens get them helping themselves to get them doing some some easy cooking you know you could whip them up a quick scrambled egg or you could um you know let them make their own toast with nut butter on top or or some cheese on toast those sorts of, of meals are great let them make a smoothie teach them about what sorts of ingredients can go into a smoothie those kinds of things so i would try to still incorporate whole what i try to do is mostly use the whole foods at home and i do use those kind of pan packed snacks um, uh, that are more convenient to pop into a school bag or pop into a sports bag. If they're doing a lot of sport and they need to refuel, do you have any favourites? Yeah, I, I love the smoothie because, you know, I have a little thermos um, that actually fits into, into my blender. So it makes it really easy. It keeps the drink cold. So particularly if they've got sport before school, they've got a training session or they're going on a Saturday morning and the sport is quite early, I whip them up a smoothie. They can have that either in the car or it stays cold for them to drink after sport. So remember the same principles apply here. You don't want them having a big meal and then going and doing a sport. So it's the same principles as us as adults. You 
don't feel good exercising if you've just had an enormous um, snack or a meal. So make sure that you're timing that. So liquids are often better if they're really starving. Going to sport, a banana and a drink is better or a smoothie that's going to empty from the stomach quite quickly, allowing them then to run around is all they need. And then think about their post-exercise refueling. So either, depending on what the timing is, you might be going straight into a meal or you can have one of those really good snacks. So judge your kid as to whether are they needing more energy, are they absolutely ravenous after sport, then those kind of muesli bars and, and uh, you know, popcorn, fresh fruit, a banana sandwich, um, those kinds of foods are, are really, really great for refueling them. They need both protein and carbohydrate after sport. And so those are the kinds of snacks you're looking for. As you said before, with teenagers, the family meal is often the only time you get some really good quality communication out of them. Um, yes. Can, can you explain the benefits of, of sitting down to a meal as a family. Yeah, well, I think one of the really sad things about modern life is we become more and more busy and, and people, and I and I remind people that it's a luxury of modern life that we have a choice about our diets. You know, in the past, dinner was dinner and, and that was it. And I, and I think there's a balance between these two approaches. It saddens me enormously when I hear families of they all eat at different times and everyone's off doing something, everyone wants to eat something different. So no wonder dinner becomes a chore if everyone's eating something different and everyone ends up relying therefore on on either home delivery or packaged foods or so on so that they can have different meals. That's sad and also the other thing that we know is if you're sitting in front of the computer eating or sitting in front of the TV eating, you have mindless eating. So you're not really paying attention to the meal, you're not really savouring and enjoying it and you're certainly not paying attention to how much you eat. You just tend to eat until the plate or the bowl is finished. In comparison, if you an experiment with this with your own family. Now, I recognize that a lot of families aren't going to be able to do this every night. But when you can, at least a few times a week, try and sit around the table and notice the difference. If you've created a meal and it's one meal, it might be a little bit adapted for people around the table. If you've got a vegetarian, for example, or you've got you know, someone who genuinely doesn't like one particular thing. But I encourage you to make one meal and put it down. Kids are not going to starve overnight if they haven't eaten their whole meal. Um, get kids accustomed to the fact that they need to eat what is prepared and put in front of them. Um, and then you have conversation, you don't allow phones on the table, you you know play some games or you know there's some fun things you can do with your kids to get them talking, particularly if they're unaccustomed to sitting down around the dinner table. And then the, an important part of this is that you are then also role modeling. Whether the kids are aware of it or you're aware of it, you are role modeling to your kids the way that you eat. What are some key ingredients or foods you would recommend to have on hand in the fridge, freezer or pantry? Yeah, well, in the fridge, I would always keep my crisper drawers full. Do a kind of stock take of your fridge in particular. You know, the pantry tends to be things with a longer shelf life. So pay attention to where things are. You know, I I did last year a fridge stacking guide, which at first I thought, really, do we need a fridge stacking guide? And then I realized, actually, this is a key part of how to store food so that you get the maximum shelf life out of all of your, your items. So learn about how to stock your fridge and how to correctly store things. So I always have my crisper drawers full of veggies so that I and I make sure that I'm rotating. As soon as your veggies are starting to turn or your fresh herbs are starting to turn, make sure that you're using them up or pop them into a soup or into a smoothie or you can freeze them. You know, um, herbs can actually freeze pretty well in particular. So then working up through your fridge, you know, things like natural yogurt are brilliant. Great for smoothies, but, you know, on porridge or muesli, you'll find our overnight oats in the book is a, is a great brekkie. Um, 
and I also use yogurts in natural in savory dishes. So with our fajitas, for example. So yogurts are really versatile and, and great food for for protein and calcium for the kids. I always have milk there, but you could also, if you're dairy free, opt for a plant milk like a soy milk. Make sure it's fortified with calcium for the kids if there is. And then, you know, cheese is is great. Most kids will really love cheese. Again, that's a fantastic way of getting calcium into them. But you've also got your fresh meat, your fish and so on. In your pantry, have stuff like baked beans and have stuff like canned Berlotti beans and cannellini beans and chickpeas. These are really budget friendly, but highly nutritious foods that we're not using enough of. So I always make sure I've got things like that and canned tomatoes, jars of passata that are just brilliant for whipping up quick sauces and, and casseroles. And then your basics. So look for the whole grain versions as much as possible of things like pastas and rice. You know, you can get a whole grain couscous. Those kind of whole grains are, are, are fabulous. And again, it helps you to stretch the family budget a little bit further as well as provide good fiber and, and nutrition and have stuff the older your kids get get them involved in cooking so have stuff in your pantry in your fridge that allows them to cook you know eggs are a really good one to start with kids because they're easy for them to learn learn how to cook and get them understanding how to make really uh, simple basic healthy healthy meals and what about favorite appliances or equipment mm. in the kitchen do you have any yeah look I, I do and, and I think the first thing to see is that for me the most important thing in, in my kitchen are some sharp knives so I have a bit of a passion for beautiful Japanese knives but having some really sharp knives makes it a cinch to chop up veggies really quickly it's one of the things I often hear from people is oh I just hate all that prep time and chopping if you've got a sharp knife the job is so much easier and as your skills develop it becomes something that's so easy and and not time consuming at all. So I would say sharp knives is probably by number one. And in terms of appliances, listen, you don't need to spend a huge amount of money. One of the appliances that I use all of the time is, is my air fryer. So it's fantastic for making homemade chips. So instead of buying oven chips or, or fries, which are always got the wrong kind of oil and, you know, usually the potatoes have been processed within an inch of their life and the skin is long gone, you can make your own home cut chips with the, with the skin on the potato, toss them in your extra virgin olive oil, a little bit of seasoning, you pop them in your air fryer and they're ready in 25 minutes. So we use our air fryer a lot. We throw in other veggies in there, red onion and capsicum and asparagus and so on, all just pop into the air fryer and they're they're brilliant. So I have to say we use that, that appliance a lot. Um, it's worthwhile having a food processor or a really good blender. So I do use my powerful blender to do things like making homemade breadcrumbs. I always find I've got leftover bread. So again, that's a great way of using up and not, not throwing the bread in the in the bin when it's when it's sort of past its best as fresh but blitz it into breadcrumbs store them in your freezer and then you can make homemade schnitzels and and so on with with your breadcrumbs um and and then good pots and pans so you know if you've got good casseroles i'm a fan of of stone cast kind of heavy pots for doing um soups and curries and casseroles and so on and then some really good good pans for cooking and that's really all you need there are other appliances that can be useful i've got a whole cupboard of different appliances some of which i very rarely use and others which, which get pulled out you know for particular dishes so like a slow cooker or you know a pressure cooker these kind of things can all be helpful but they're not essential so don't get too carried away with thinking you have to have all of these things in order to have a healthy diet at the end of the day if you've got a basic kitchen with some some quality knives and pots and pans and so on you can turn out healthy meals for your family and if people want to uh, find out more tips on feeding the family or more recipes 
What are some books or websites you'd recommend? Well, of course, I recommend our new book, which is the Feel Good Family Food Plan. Um, so that's that's packed with with fabulous recipes um, and and lots and lots of tips from me. You can also head to my website. Of course, you'll find a whole lot of extra recipes on on my website, which is drjoanna.com.au. And then there are some good sites that you know either give recipes or give good sort of family advice. Um, and so look for those. But the only thing that I'll, I'll say is just be careful that you're always looking at who is the author. And what is the source of the particular information? So, you know, if it's a government site or medical body or the health department, you know, the government actually has some really good information on family health. These are all really good, solid resources. Some of the chefs have very good recipes, but not necessarily great nutrition advice. So be aware that that where's the source, who is who has written the article or written the blog or the or the website or the book, and just start to pay a little bit more attention to where you're getting your information from. Dr. Joanna McMillan, thank you very much for joining us today on the GMHBA Healthier Together series. Thanks for having me. It's a new dawn in health insurance because GMHBA are partnering with AIA Vitality to encourage us to be healthier by rewarding healthy choices. Join GMHBA V Plus with AIA Vitality to earn real rewards for health checks, exercising, even eating well. Changing how you think about health insurance for life. GMHBA and AIA Vitality. Healthier together.